Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks and remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to the In Search of series on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason from Parma, and joining me, as they always do, first from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, Mr. Oliver Oxide. Hello, all. I'm jet lagged. I have to stop doing these red eye, red eye flights. It's just yeah, it's no killing kidding. me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be extra snarky today. Oh, good. Oh, we we have we have a couple of episodes that you could be re- <laughs> we we can just let the snark flow. <laughs> and from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we have Doctor Steve Cloutier. How you doing? Good. See, I and remembered you. And happy birthday. This will air on your birthday. Yes, yes, this will air on my birthday, December 21st. Happy birthday, brother. Yes, I am uh I, I'm 44 years old. Hold on, let, let's celebrate. <laughs> Good enough. Oh, the days when I was 44, eh, Steve? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh anyway. Here we are again. We're we're winding down season uh, season one of In Search of. Um, before we go any further, uh, next week will be our first In Search of special, where we discuss In Search of Ancient Astronauts, the nineteen seventy three uh, special. Uh, it was the first episode of anything to bear the In Search of name, but it was narrated by rod serling so that promises to be um good (laughs) i i I will give a spoiler alert there's going to be a lot of review in that episode with a lot of stuff that we've already mentioned but you'll have to listen anyway today we are discussing episode 119 season one episode 19 Life after death. Wow, figures it's on my birthday. Uh, (laughs) First of all, no turtleneck. No. He's wearing that big old butterfly collar again. It was like the flying nun. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And he introduces himself. Yeah, you notice that too. There's kind of like a format change. Yeah, it was. It almost feels like it was the first episode recorded, because he, he kind of said, "You know, hello, I'm Leonard Nimoy in this series," and it's like, "Wow, that that's like so out of place for an episode 19." Yeah, it just seemed very odd. I wonder if it was the first one they they did. It, it possibly. Uh, it was before the turtleneck budget. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we start off there um, talking about new evidence for life after death. No, that's called anecdotes. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, the the beginning of this episode just gave me no hope for this episode. <laughs> um, what were your uh, Oliver? What, what were your uh, impressions of the episode? Well, you know what, I, I I watched it and I thought, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on this because we know so much more now about these experiences and 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 you know from a medical point of view. Mm-hmm. But um, however, um, <laughs> that's not my nature. So. Um, um, <laughs> When they started going code blue, I thought this is code blue for the episode. And the other thing is, um, <laughs> this really isn't an in search of episode. Maybe this this goes back to your to your idea that this may have been the first one. Is the fact that there's nothing really discovery worthy in any of this? No, it's just two anecdotes, mm-hmm. it's two anecdotal stories. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln and um, somebody. I mean, I'm sorry, that guy must be playing uh, Abraham Lincoln in, uh, you know, at like kids' parties and stuff. Um, that, that was the second guy. That yeah, Shelley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but, lady, uh, the lady in the beginning. I mean, it was just those those two people's anecdotes, and that was it. Mm-hmm. They weren't really searching for anything. Do you know what right. I mean? I mean, there there's different states of death. Uh, one of them being brain death, of course, which is, I, I th- is brain death and clinical death two separate things, or is uh, brain death clinical death? Um, no, I, I think the, I think they're the same. Okay, because uh, the the problem is when the heart stops beating, the brain doesn't stop working. But to me, I feel like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I should really. Uh, Steve, what were your impressions of the episode? Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. You can get, go, keep going. But I, I was just going to say there there was kind of an almost science, science-y part mm-hmm. when they were talking about uh, to Dr. Uh, Thomas Rockwell. Yes. Santa Monica Hospital. And that's kind of like the sort of like the two minutes of science in which I think I thought for for the obviously for the time that, you know, how he explained how medical science has changed its definition of death. Mm hmm. Right when before oh, yeah. it, it was when the heart stopped, but now obviously we can resuscitate people. So when the heart stops, you're not dead. And so right. now, and, and they start talking about a little bit about how you know the cells continue even after the heart stops. And so death is now sort of more cell, the death of the cells rather than this, the the beating of the heart. And he said, you know, in the past there are probably people who could have survived um, for. For had they known that the the, beat, the stopping of the heart wasn't death, and that was kind of the the sciencey stuff, and then it kind of went off into um, various reaches of mm-hmm. weirdness. Um, in one point, and we'll, we'll get we'll get to the the uh, Abraham Lincoln guy at the end uh, <laughs> later. But uh, he was uh, the thing about having him in the life after death, right? And, and we'll uh, I'm sure I'll talk about more about this when we get there. But he wasn't actually dead. No, right. Like no, he, was, he wasn't at the time. He was still talking to the surgeon. If you can mm-hmm. speak to the surgeon during an operation, you're not dead. Mm-hmm. But um, well, like you know, before I uh, before before I realize the error of my ways here, um, I was gonna say when the heart stops beating, you know, of course, oxygen, you know, is not coming into the body anymore, and. What and I've heard I've heard this from from uh, from some others from uh, some other uh, you know experts as well. 
basically that the idea of life after death could be the brain just going into overdrive to to you know attempt to stay alive like it's running out of oxygen so now you know just everything's firing in the brain to say you know am i still here <laughs> or, yeah you're yeah. basically you're basically tripping i mean that's yeah. that, that's your brain is is trying to deal with the trauma that's being introduced or uh, to the body this right. is why this is why you know along with you know the the heart death does not equal clinical death you know uh, science has come a long long way in realizing that your brain just goes it's basically you're, it's either you're either tripping or it's the drugs that are making you tripping mm-hmm. and 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 you know i think back then they didn't have what we have now uh in the way of in the way of drugs that either would sustain or calm you down you know, we have this new thing. Uh, I guess I've only really heard about it in the last ten years. Is this the the theory of the induced coma? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that existed back in the seventies, uh, but they seem to do it a lot. I I had a friend who died of um, he was he had he was terribly terribly burned, and for for him to recover, it didn't work. But they put him into an induced coma. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a thing now. Yeah, well, it keeps the it it keeps um uh. Well, I'll go. I'll go into a little story. I know of someone who uh, she had a a brain aneurysm uh, that burst, and they did the surgery. They they managed. You know, she she did live through it, but she is an overly she she has a very overactive brain. Like she she's always thinking about stuff to the point where doctors warned her. You know. You have to put your cell phone down and you have to rest or else we are going to put you in a medically induced coma. Right. So that your brain can heal. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess they, you know, she, she kind of worked out with them, you know, that she could have her phone for like two hours a day and that's it until her, until she heals. But yeah, it's like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, that the the medically induced coma is a way to calm you know to to like stop brain activity or minimize it while you know while while the brain heals and keeps right. it from you know going nuts right yeah. um yes. so so imagine you're on a on um a surgery a table a table right mm-hmm. and with all this stuff popping off of your mind right your your brain's going in overdrive and all this stuff and you see a bright light well what mm-hmm. are those lights well they're obviously the lights over overhead right right and of course because your brain is sort of on overdrive it exaggerates that stuff Mm -hmm. so it probably does look like this sort of bright white light that you're sort of going into but that's your brain sort of doing its thing and you're getting into kind of a sort of a sensory overload position Mm -hmm. where you from very little brain activity to suddenly a lot of brain activity. So, you know, it, it makes sense that they see a light. Right. But it's, but it, obviously it's not <laughs> what they interpret it as. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, this was not, this wasn't the episode where, uh, where, where Leonard Nimoy introduced himself. It's the next episode that we're going to discuss tonight, which, uh, you won't, none of you will hear it for two weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um 
No, the uh, yeah, just to add to that, you know, with this, you know, you're laying face up on on a table looking up at this, you know, with this bright light shining down on you, you know, you could see it through your eyes, but then you got people moving around, so sure. it's giving like this like you're moving and you're heading towards this light. Yeah, and if and, and people often describe it as a corridor. So if you mm-hmm. have people sort of standing over you, right? But mm-hmm. directly ahead of you is, is the light. They're not they're not necessarily leaning over you and blocking completely the light out, obviously, because they need to see. Right. And, and you're in this kind of overdrive position. You can kind of see it as a corridor with mm-hmm. the, the, the people being the walls and the bright light being, you know, God or however you want to you want to describe it. Mm hmm. And, you know, we, we had the lady who, you know, she's I can't remember her name, but, you know, she. You know, she she saw the bright light and she followed it and she saw God and, you know, and and apparently God said, nope, you're not you're not supposed to be here. Go back. Um, And she said it hurt and it really hurt. But, you know, uh, according to the doctors, they were pumping air into her stomach. Which probably isn't the most comfortable thing in the world. And it probably, you know, hey, being rejected by God, hmm, that that must feel like a real gut punch to somebody. Oh yeah, so yeah. just getting air pumped into your gut. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, now this is this is Ms. Hayward, right? Yeah, I uh, think so. Yeah. You see, the thing was is that the I would be more interested to find out the story of her remission than mm-hmm. any of this, you know, Gaga stuff. Right. Uh, you know, because that to me was much more fascinating in the story. Hmm. Is apparently she had stage four Hodgkin's disease, and then she she went into remission. I mean, that would be much more interesting to me, a story. Well, apparently the thing that she thought was God, uh, you know, cured her or something. Uh, That's that. That's what's implied by this. Yeah, it's implied. Yeah. 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 (sighs) So we come to Doctor Charles Garfield. Now I didn't do much research into him. I know Steve, you did. Yeah, I did uh, a bit. But but my he, he just struck me as kind of a hippy dippy type. At the moment, Jason, the moment you and I were thinking the same thing, the moment he, he said that he was a professor at Berkeley, I thought, okay. <laughs> Ber- <laughs> I thought Berkeley in the seventies. Oh yeah. Hippie plus L S D equals this theory. <laughs> yep. Steve, go. He is now a minister in the Unitarian Universalist Church. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> Which, Why am I not know, surprised? Yeah. Which, if you don't know, is kind of a, uh, a liberal religion that is sort of intended to, um, from what I understand, sort of get bring together in kind of, you know, the, the church atmosphere, people of various uh, beliefs. In fact, I think... You don't even have to believe in God in order to be a member no. of the church. No. Which I find kind of weird to be a member of a church and not believe in God. But So he, he, is, a, he is a minister um, in that now. Mm-hmm. I, 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 have, I have some experience with, with, the, with the UU church. So, And yes, UU is actually you know, one of their uh, colloquialisms for the name of the religion. So, um, so what, what else do you have on him? 
Uh, you know, well, he, he, is he there anything it. needed more to be said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Steve. No, that's okay. That's fine. Um, I, I, <laughs> I thought the same thing. Um, the only other thing that I found that he's involved in a thing called the Shanty Project, um, which is a program um, for terminally ill patients to help maintain their quality of life as they pass on. So um, that's, that's, that's the other bit of information that I, I, I've gleaned about um, Dr. Garfield. Okay. So, so he's not, uh, he, he, okay. That, you know, and that, that's kind of, that's, that's a very noble thing. I mean, that's, you want to, he basically helps people like live their lives with dignity while they're dying. Right, exactly. So, uh, okay, that's you still see, you know, in this episode, he seems you know, just that very hippy dippy type. I, oh, I just like saying, I just like saying hippy dippy. I, I have snark guilt now. <laughs> now that I know about him, <laughs> now that I know that he does that. Well, kudos to him. Yes. Well, well when we get to Sheldon Rutterman, you won't have any guilt at all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and I should also say that I gave kudos to uh, Doctor Garfield um, because he made a reference to a Dylan Thomas poem. Oh, okay, cool. He he, he made reference to um, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. Although he slightly gets it wrong in the sense that he seemed to imply that the the speaker was the one who was dying, but in the poem, it's actually the speaker's father who's dying, and uh-huh. he's he's telling his father to rage against the dying of the light because he doesn't want him to die. But you know, as as an English prof, uh, even a part time <laughs> one, I always give kudos to people who quote poetry. Excellent. Oh, so so take that, Doctor Garfield. Bam! Exactly. There Talk we about, go. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I I just have you know, out, out of body experiences are nothing new. Um. It, it's an old. It's a construct of the mind. You know the the you just the the problem is, and this is getting a little ahead of the episode, but um, it's you know independent accounts of out of body experiences are strikingly strikingly similar. That's because everyone talks about them, so that you know if you're going to have an out of body experience, it's going to sound like everybody else's, because this is what you have in your brain. You know, this is how you, you know, you learn things. Um, but anyway, now we get to, um, what, what, what is his last name? Shelly Rudderman? Rudderman, yeah. Rudderman. Yeah. Uh, the, the Abe Lincoln lookalike. Put a top, put a stovetop, uh, a stovepipe hat on him and, you know, he's playing, he's playing, uh, Abraham Lincoln in the, uh, high school play. Um, so, yeah, he sort of, well, didn't have an out-of-body experience, because, or he did, or, or so I, what, what is his story? <laughs> well, he, he didn't have a near-death experience. He, did, he didn't die, right? Okay. That's, that, that's, and that's kind of what I mentioned at, at, at the beginning. He goes into this long, weird story because he's an engineer mm-hmm. that that he was he was having surgery for cancer, and so... He imagined, he, he looked up and he saw that all these people were looking at him, but they all couldn't see him 
Um, so he imagined this board coming out of the wall behind him um, just as a mind game. Um, and I'm not making up. This is this is sort of the way he is explaining it. Mm -hmm. um, and, it does, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, and then while he was thinking about this board thing, he seemed to suddenly pop out of his body uh, and float up and then look down upon himself. And he could see everybody, but the closer he got to the wound, um, the more difficult it was for him to see it. So he was kind of fuzzy on the table. And then when he when he looked further into where the surgeon was cutting into him, he couldn't see anything at all. Huh. And then he would say, and this is why I said he wasn't really dead, is because he said he knew that because he, he was awake. They, they didn't put him to sleep. They, right. They, 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 they kept him awake. So mm -hmm. every once in a while, the doctor, the surgeon would say to him, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And he said, I knew I had to respond to the doctor, so I popped back into my body. I made sure I was back into my body for those moments so that he was speaking to the surgeon. <laughs> so I'm not sure why his story is in a, a, an episode about life after death, because, as I said before, if you're speaking to a surgeon, you're not dead. No. And that's his story, as weird and as confusing as it is, that's his story. Okay. Oh, it, it gets weirder. <laughs> are, are we even going to discuss the baby in a shopping bag? <laughs> <laughs> the I mean, yes. I. <sighs> WTF, people? I mean, really? Um, he, he I, says I guess, that. I guess babies weren't allowed in. Uh, yeah, in, but into that yeah. section of the hospital. So the. So they snuck, they, they snuck a baby in. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I guess, yeah. 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 Um, he also mentions that there's 25 people in the surgery that he's having. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. a teaching hospital. Oh, okay. So that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Then. yeah. But he also says that, that, that he's baffled by this. And it's, it's like, well, that's what science is. Mm -hmm. Science is being baffled and trying to find an answer. Yes. But the answers don't come in anecdotes. No. <laughs> It's just that when he said he was baffled, I'm, I'm sitting here going, no, that's what science is. Yeah. I mean, you I don't, don't I, yeah. Be, be, I don't, because I, I'm I don't, baffled about something, I don't automatically say, well, it's something supernatural. Exactly. I say, you know, I don't understand this. I'm baffled by this. I want to figure out what this is, what is going on. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with out-of-body experiences and stuff that's beyond science because it's supernatural and science is the study of the natural world. There's no, there, there's no definitive test you can do to test for out-of-body experience. No, there's nothing no. objective. So, and I think we should mention that this trend came around again because I think it was about five years ago, I'm guessing, when there were three books out uh, that made, and this is really the worst part of it, it that were on the New York Times nonfiction list. Yeah. One was written by a doctor called uh, Proof of Heaven. Uh, his name was Eben Alexander. And then there was one written by a six-year-old called oh. Heaven is for Real. Oh, God. Yeah. So this this life after death thing never seems to go away. And no, it doesn't. You know, 
it, I just find it apt that a six-year-old wrote a book because that's about the intellectual level of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing that he, he kind of sort of concludes is that it was the power of his mind that helped him survive this. Right. You know, and, and so that and and he did this because he just had a baby. Uh, um, and as Oliver said, the baby wasn't allowed in. So his wife smuggled the baby in so he could see the reason why his mind, his mind was so powerful that it prevented prevented him um, from dying when he wasn't even really dying in the first place. But, you know. <laughs> Because because then maybe this is a good time to talk about um, the stuff that he's been doing since then. Okay. Um, and uh, Micah Friedman, um, who we see in the story, the seven-year-old boy, who he is trying to help, um, who has cancer. Okay. Um, and that, and that, and that's the, that's the thing where he's talking about him. He's talking to him as if the cancer is this big monster. Right. And, and I don't know if it's his blood cells or what are these red soldiers who are shooting goo into the holes in the monster to help cure the cancer. Right. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to do. I mean, I know what he was trying to do in the sense that, that it was sort of like the mind he was you're trying to use, get Micah Friedman to use his mind to help with his cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and he apparently has become one of those sort of mind over matter people. Right. Um, to a, this mind, day. a mindfulness. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, this is something that science can't really make any determination on because it's untestable. It's just. Well, it's also unfalsifiable. Yeah. You know, and that's the right. that's the bedrock of science. Mm-hmm. Is you have to be able to disprove something as well. Right. And there was an Indiegogo for uh uh for for this uh healing cancer with seven principles of mindfulness. Um they raised twenty six hundred of eight thousand dollars, so they didn't make their goal. Well, they didn't make their total goal, but yeah, I'm not. I am not a proponent of like the whole mindfulness thing, and I, to me, it's more. I don't know. I I really I don't want to get into a discussion on on. You know, the power of positive thinking and all that stuff, because, again, you can't test this stuff. No. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it up to you. You know, you, you just just remember that, you know, you can't really say anything is, you know, science has nothing to say on, on any of this, so... Take it as you will. But do we have anything else to say about this episode? No, I just think it was a very poor. There was no, they weren't searching for anything. And now that I, I reflect on all three of us having a discussion, it wasn't even two anecdotes. It was kind of one and a quarter anecdotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. <gasps> 
Right. Yeah, because he he never actually died. He was no. he was there the whole time. He just played mind games with himself to to get through this. Past the time, yeah. He drifted right. off. I mean, which is fair enough. I mean, I'm sure we would all do that in the same situation. Oh yeah. But it's like that doesn't mean that there's a god. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean it was the power of your mind that hmm. that that cured you. It, yeah. it was the doctor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, and this this is nowhere even close because I've never been in for major surgery. But you know, even when I, even when I'm in the dentist chair, you know, having a root canal or something, I'm I'm focusing elsewhere. You know, I'm I'm my mind is drifting everywhere else because I don't want to think about this. Right. So that that's what I do. That's what most people do. So I think I think we've beaten this dead horse enough. So oh, good, uh, good pun. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh Oliver, where can people find you on the internet? Uh you can find me at Oliver Rockside if you do have a life after death experience. And um uh also uh you can find me on a, a podcast uh, regarding uh, 20 years of Law and Order, uh, you can find uh, more information about that at uh, the 27thPrecinct.com. And coming soon, a new Oliver Rockside podcast. We'll get back to you on that one. Excellent. Cool. Steve, where can people find you? Well, I've never popped out of my body, but um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at DocPinko, D O C P I N K O. Excellent. And you can find me at AlienCG on Twitter. You could find this podcast at Illuminati Pod. And you could find the the episode and the show notes along with the uh, video of the episode uh, linked directly from YouTube uh, at AlienCG.com slash ISC. Ladies and gentlemen, happy birthday to me. Have a good week. Toodles. See ya.